The uh, Twitter poll is up at Zone Madison. Uh, Follow up from uh, what Matt LaFleur said in the media yesterday. I'll read you those comments here momentarily. Uh, Matt LaFleur said, quote, he is absolutely okay with Aaron Rodgers changing plays at the line. Packer fans, are you okay with this? Yes or no. This is uh, obviously continues to be one of the the storylines going back to last season with uh, with uh, with Mike McCarthy and and Rodgers and the relationship coming to an end and with Zaren Rodgers changing plays to undermine Mike McCarthy was he intentionally sabotaging plays and games to ultimately have Mike McCarthy fired as some people uh, maybe have put out there. And this is what Lafleur said at his press conference yesterday. Uh, he said, quote, when asked about uh, changing plays at the line of scrimmage on Thursday against Chicago, LaFleur says, quote, Rodgers will absolutely have permission to make whatever pre-snap adjustments he deems necessary to combat what the defense is presenting. Uh, he says, when it comes to the Bears and any future opponents, he won't advance. It wasn't going to release advanced work. Then he went on to say, quote, we're giving him all the freedom, LaFleur said. So if he sees something, he's got the green light to do whatever he needs to do to get us a good play. We're not going to take that from him. All right, so there's two things here. Um, you know, A, you have to go back to last season and the Rodgers-McCarthy relationship. And I, I think there was a host of reasons why last season didn't work and why ultimately Mike McCarthy was fired. Now, certainly one of those, yes, is the offense and the the lack of being on the same page, Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. We've talked about it, Nelson. I mean, I, the roster had a lot of issues. Um, there just wasn't continuity on all sides of football. But certainly the Rodgers-McCarthy you know, relationship was one of them. So if you go back to last season and you believe, as I know you do, uh, that that played a part into the Packers' failure, do you think that, LaFleur should say, well, wait a minute. He did this last year with the previous coach, and that guy doesn't have a job. Why would I, Matt LaFleur, who just got the job, and I assume Matt LaFleur wants to keep the job as Packers head coach for quite some time, why would Matt LaFleur allow him to do the same thing that the previous coach apparently did, which ended up costing the previous coach his job? See, I'm actually totally okay with Matt LaFleur giving Aaron Rodgers the ability to change the line or change the play at the line. And this is why. If the coach is okay with it, I'm okay with it. I feel like Mike McCarthy wasn't okay with it all the time. And then there were reports that were coming out that McCarthy would call a play, Aaron Rodgers would change it, play wouldn't go so well, McCarthy would call the same exact play. Like, they were doing that. That was like a little game between those two. A game within a game, which is was not good for the team. If Matt LaFleur is okay with it and he sees that Aaron Rodgers can see things that maybe he doesn't see from the sidelines, I'm fine with it. And two, let's not forget Aaron Rodgers has been changing plays at the line earlier in his career before Matt LaFleur was even a coach. <laughs> like, let that sink in. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and you know, this is LaFleur's, you know, obviously first head coaching job, and he's only been a coordinator uh, for a couple of years. Um, again, 608-321-1670, by the way, the phone number, the, the polls up at Zone Madison. Do you have a problem with what Matt LaFleur said? I mean, I, I guess for me to answer it, I would have to, yeah, I mean, there's two things. There's always the, you know, the changes is good and Whatever happened previously at any team, 
and we've talked about this a lot, when you look at last year, some of the first-year head coaches, right, and their success. I mean, the most obvious one is the team the Packers are playing on Thursday, and that would be the Bears, who were dreadful two years ago to the point that they fired their head coach, were picked to finish dead last in this division and won 12 games last year with the new head coach. Uh, nobody even wanted the Colts job last year. Uh, Frank Reich ends up taking it. He was like the third, fourth choice. They end up winning 10 games, uh, making the playoffs and winning a game in the playoffs. Uh, two years ago, the, the guy that now everybody wants to emulate, Sean McVay at the Rams. In two years, he's gone 11-5 and five and 13-3 and three in a Super Bowl uh, and two playoff appearances. So you, for whatever reason, whether it's just luck or there is some truth to when you hire a new head coach, you get some instant results. So that would be why, of course, you'd, you'd let the changes take place because for whatever reason in the NFL, when you switch things up, it works. The comeback then Nelson would be to the opposite would be last year and how much of the Rodgers changing plays, whether it was he trying to prove a point to Mike McCarthy or whether he just thought his ideas were better and they weren't, how much of the changing play debate from last season played into the the destruction of that Packers season? See, I don't think it was like specifically that was the problem. I think it was just that little caddy game between McCarthy and Rodgers because they were both trying to get under each other's skin, if that makes sense. Yep. I don't think if you would have asked Mike McCarthy three, four years ago, I don't think this would have been a big issue either. I think it, it just became personal, and that's why he was changing plays. McCarthy was calling the same plays, and it just kept going back and forth. I don't feel that same hostility between LaFleur and Rodgers, especially not right now. Well, no, and I, I completely agree with you there. And, I, I you know, whether you, you like Aaron Rodgers, can't stand Aaron Rodgers, think he's a diva, whatever, the guy would literally be crazy if he's going to do it. And this was what always made me laugh when people were talking about, you know, oh, LaFleur's never been a head coach. How's he going to deal with Rodgers? And, you know, you had this stuff in the offseason with some of the comments, like the, the joint practice, and everyone's like, here Rodgers goes again. And I'm just like, if he can't get along with this guy, he can't get along with anybody. Let's just put this into perspective, though. Aaron Rodgers won his Super Bowl, what, in 2010? Yeah. Matt LaFleur broke into the NFL as a quarterback's coach in 2010. He wasn't even an OC until 2017. So how much play calling does Matt LaFleur really have? He really was the OC in two years. Yeah, I mean, I but that's the, I mean, but you're right, but that's the the trend, right? I mean, the the trend is now, you know, smart, young, offensive-minded guys, right? I mean, that's who's getting the jobs. Sean McVay, Matt Nagy, these are the guys. Now Matt LaFleur, these are the guys that are the the new prototype style of NFL coach. So, yeah, but, but I, that part you, doesn't bother me at all. Sean McVay is the guy that basically every young coach gets compared to. Sean McVay was an offensive coordinator for multiple seasons before he got a head coaching job. He was established as an up-and-comer since basically 2010 when he was like, what, 25 years old or whatever he would have been then? So he was established early. I feel like those guys are kind of like prodigies that are – there's only one of them. There might only be a couple of them. Not every single guy that's 38 years old and – 
seems to know something about an offense is going to be this wizard with these offensive plays and this offensive playbook. I don't think Matt LaFleur is anywhere near Sean McVay, to be completely honest with you. Oh, no, I, I yeah, I, I and your, to your point, it was Le, McVay was the guy who did it first. So now what every team is trying to do is emulate and capture what the Rams got with McVay. But back to the, the, the Packers question is, is was last year it didn't matter what was going to happen. It's just the McCarthy-Rodgers relationship, and not really the McCarthy-Rodgers, just the McCarthy-Packers, I should say, relationship had run its course, and it just needed to change, or that Aaron Rodgers was at some level some kind of saboteur of the, the season. And then I see, then I would be, or if you believe that, then maybe you would be a little bit concerned about the Rodgers LaFleur relationship. I don't think part two is is the case. I think it's more of right or wrong, good or bad, all relationships uh, seem to to run their course. And just Mike McCarthy had done, he had taken Green Bay as far as he could. And it just, it, it, it there was nothing that could have been done last year. Aaron Rodgers could have ran every single play that Mike McCarthy called or Aaron Rodgers could have audibled 100% of the plays that Mike McCarthy called. Whatever had happened, it was going to be done last year. Yeah, it definitely just ran stale between McCarthy and the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Like, remember early in Rodgers' career when they're winning Super Bowls, contending every single year, how wide open? I know that some of the players were much better talent-wise, but how open some of those guys were and how they scheme them open all the time, it's almost like watching Lincoln Riley with Oklahoma how really Jalen Hurts has to make like one read and the guy's wide open. You just don't have three three Heisman quarterbacks potentially in a row. Like those schemes are what get those guys wide open. Mike McCarthy's schemes became pretty stale the last three years with Green Bay. Yeah, and, and it could be. And, and then, and, and if that's the case, then this really isn't that big of a story. But I mean, if you go to. Uh, let me just type one in here, ESPN.com. If I click on, you know, they have a tab for every sport. If I click on NFL, the first story is Jacoby Brissett's contract. Second one's Jadevian Clowney. Uh, third one is timetable and Ezekiel Elliott's return. Fourth one, LaFleur. Rodgers absolutely has okay to audible. I mean, that, that that's the, it, it, with two days to go to the NFL season, with one of the biggest names still unsigned, with certainly the biggest story of the year, you know, a quarterback retiring and now his replacement getting a deal that, you know, that, and I'm not saying ESPN's great or terrible. I'm just, they're a, a, a known entity. They deem this the fourth biggest story right now in the NFL. I'm think- just like, why is this, if they, cause I, I'm with you. I'm kind of like, it's not that big a deal. And maybe this is ESPN trying to make it a big deal, but there it is as they're listed as the fourth biggest story. Are they trolling this because they're just trying to, drum up negative headlines, or do you think this is really a story, you know, Rodgers and LaFleur and the play calling? I think there's a couple points to this. I think, first off, who plays the first game of the season? Oh, that's a good Bears point. and Packers, Packers Bears, so yep. they're going to try and bring some news between that matchup up. And also, there was a lot of reports that came out this winter slash spring between Rodgers and McCarthy. So, yeah, it's an interest story. People are going to click on it. It's clickbait for sure. I think it's a little twofold there. All right. I want to hear from you, Packer fans. 608-321-1670. Are you kind of over this whole discussion of the play calling and changing plays? Or 
um, you know, those who don't study history are doomed to repeat it. And that was one of the, if not the biggest, driving forces to the Packers implosion. I do want to get into this actual game and the NFL's decision to uh, run it Thursday night as opposed to, say, Patriots-Steelers. That has a lot of people miffed. Uh, so we'll get to that coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. But uh, finishing up this uh, thought on the on the play calling, uh, Nelson. I, and look, I get it because you can't unsee uh, what you saw last year. But if there was ne- – you know, if the Packers, who two years ago without Aaron Rodgers – had a bad season, right? They went seven and nine two years ago. The Rodgers collarbone, the Brett Hundley failed experiment. The Packers go seven and nine. You know, Mike McCarthy had somewhat of a pass, but I think that that the temperature was starting to get hot because I think people, the, the people that are were already in the camp of this is all Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy's, you know, not the the guy. Uh, you know, the, the Packers should have multiple Super Bowls with this guy. The the temperature got hot hot on McCarthy going into last season, uh, you know, and it was basically and Ebo and I talked about this a lot at the start of last season. You know, would it be in, would it be Super Bowl or bust? Would anything short of a Super Bowl uh, cost Mike McCarthy his job? I don't think anybody saw you know six nine and one with a healthyish Rodgers last year. So I get that you have to factor in the season. I just, you know, when I go back to this last season and this whole Rodgers v. McCarthy, you know, I what you know, is it the chicken versus the egg kind of a thing, right? Did they stink last year because McCarthy and Rodgers couldn't get on the same page? Or did Rodgers and McCarthy not get on the same page because the season was already doomed and everybody saw the writing on the wall and everybody knew what was going to end? You know, that's what I struggle with. And, you know, to answer this question about LaFleur, you know, yeah, if if the Rodgers McCarthy relationship's the reason the Packers stunk, then yeah, I would be a little concerned as a Packer fan. If that season was doomed to fail anyway last year and you, we were just grasping at straws or trying to find a reason and yeah, we want to say it was the McCarthy Rodgers relationship when in actuality nothing was going to save that team last year. They were doomed to fail. Then I don't then the, then the Rodgers changing plays is like it's not a big deal when Tom Brady changes a play. It's not a big deal when Drew Brees changes a play. Why? Who cares if Aaron Rodgers changes a play? So, you know, go back to the start of last year. Was it Rodgers and McCarthy's relationship that undid the Packers, or was it the Packers' season that undid the Rodgers-McCarthy relationship? I'm going to go back even farther where this whole microcosm seems to start for me, and I think that's 2013 where Aaron Rodgers breaks his collarbone the first time. And that was where it was pretty well known that the they didn't have a backup quarterback and their roster stunk. And Ted Thompson was the GM that was supposed to fix it. Fast forward to, what was that, 2017? He breaks it again. The Packers are in a worse situation with backup quarterbacks. Ted Thompson did not fix any problems. The roster might have gotten even worse. There was probably more holes in the roster, and it really just became apparent that it was a one-man show. It was Aaron Rodgers with Mike McCarthy, and you saw Ted Thompson took the hit for it, as he should have. Yeah. And then the next season, you're thinking, okay, we're going to get a healthy Aaron Rodgers. We still have Mike McCarthy, highly successful NFL head coach. We got a new GM. For all accounts, that draft seemed to be pretty decent. 
They couldn't get it done. They went 6-9-1. McCarthy gets the axe. You now bring in Matt LaFleur. You still have Aaron Rodgers because everyone knows Aaron Rodgers is good. Even if he's getting old and a little more brittle, he's still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Pretty evident when you uh, make it to a Pro Bowl and we say it's one of your worst career years starting since like your first year. Yeah, and again, 608-32. It comes down to this is going to be on Mark Murphy and Matt LaFleur because if Matt LaFleur fails, Mark Murphy fails. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. 608-321-1670. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that people are trying to fit a narrative, in my opinion, uh, into last season, and it, 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 it's a nice, tidy little package with a bow on it to say, Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy couldn't stand each other, and that's why it worked. I think to what Nelson just said, there was a a lot more going into it. I certainly think they weren't best buddies, and I certainly think the relationship was fractured. And I think Ted Thompson was a huge issue in that relationship fracturing. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think if Ted Thompson would have done his job from 2013 to 2017, even semi-decently well, that relationship went to fracture because Aaron Rodgers realized <laughs> I'm the only guy on this roster that really makes a difference. And Mike McCarthy kind of realized that same thing, and he wasn't happy with the players he was getting. Rodgers wasn't happy with the the players he was getting. And then he turned and looked at the coach and said, I'm not happy with you because they were having their differences with play calling. I think it all starts and ends with Ted Thompson right there. I, I truly do think if they would have had a GM that would have been giving them not even great players, not even like Saints drafts or anything close to that. Just keeping a couple guys each draft. I think this is a completely different thing. Mike McCarthy's still probably the head coach. Uh, 608-321-1670. You want to weigh in on the the Packer offense, and do you buy this? I mean, is it even worth, is it headline worthy that Matt LaFleur yesterday talks about uh, Aaron Rodgers and and play calling. Uh, by the way, update to this. I don't know if this is – I don't know that this is at the level of debaggery, Nelson. It's maybe the I told you so. Uh, I saw this story from an Oakland reporter, uh, Raiders reporter, that basically the last Hard Knocks episode where they had the cutdowns was basically just a played up for TV. And I wondered that if you saw the hard knocks, and we talked about this with the field because the Raiders played the Packers on that crappy field, and John Gruden's like talking all tough, like, oh, we'll play. Maybe Green Bay doesn't want to. And turns out that according to those in the know, that a lot of what Gruden and the Raider people put uh, on TV was was hyped uh, because if you watch this this guy Doss this wide receiver who uh, had a big game against the Packers and they were talking about Gruden I I like this Doss guy man this guy this this guy's a football player man and then they cut him and the whole notion was it was just a made for TV event so you know a lot of people like the idea of of hard knocks pulling back the curtain and this is really what it's like in an NFL locker room and this is really what it's like to be a NLG or NFL GM well if you believe what the raiders are putting out that the the whole thing was like an act with the raiders this year See, and that- I think you could get a real product like that if you didn't 
air it during the season because they're not going to want to give any of their secrets and any of their inside things because it's showing you like right every week right it's a new thing from yeah. like the week before they don't want to show anything now if they aired that over the winter once the season was over then i think you, they would be more open to really going right. in depth with what's going on and maybe there's one or two times where the camera picks up something and a player forgets or a coach forgets he's mic'd up but to John Gruden, he says, quote, I love this line, Gruden is, I mean, I don't know if the guy can still coach, but the guy is a good soundbite. He is good on the media. He says, who cares if you can still coach for 10 years, 100 million? Right. He says, that talking about this player that got cut that seemed to be fe- featured a lot on Hard Knocks. He said, that was your storyline, not mine. We also weren't eager to get rid of other players that were featured. But what you see is not reality, quote, it's a TV show. So Gruden's basically admitting that the a lot of the, the the hyperbole of how good or bad these players were on on Hard Knocks was basically just made up, or it was it was played up because HBO thought they had a storyline. And if yeah, if you watch the the episode where the Packers play the Raiders, this wide receiver looks like you know they've got this incredible diamond in the rough superstar and then dude doesn't even make the roster and if you watch the show this guy was going to be like the 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 missing piece to the raiders resurgence the way it was he was portrayed on the show well he's and then the guy can't even make we can't even make the final 53 on a on a team that won four games last year he was the missing piece on the uh the dark horse to win it all in canada this year So anyway, I, I'm not a key. I know the Browns one was kind of interesting last year, and a lot of people thought the Browns one was the best ever. You know, they, and they always pick bad. You, you have to the qualifications. You have to be one of the worst teams from the previous year. I don't know, man. I, I'm with you. I think a lot of it. I, mean, I, I I'm, not, I'm not a huge reality TV anyway. You know, because at the end of the day, they the people know there's a camera in your face, right? And maybe every now and again, you're gonna get. Uh, of a re- legitimate organic, you know, something. Oh my God, I can't believe they just did or said that on TV. But how many of these reality shows are they still? Pl- they're still acting, right? How much of Big Brother and the Real Housewives and you know Survivor and The Bachelor? They want to play this as reality. It's all like act, man. It's not reality TV. Bring it's people the, acting. Bring us back to the old reality TV shows like The Real World. What's up, Scott? Hey, part two to this one about the Packers. And look, if they ever let Gruden pull that little stunt about moving that to Canada, the NFL to have his hide. You know that. I, that you know, first of all, that team was terrible. And you know, did you read why he moved? He wanted to save money. Wasn't it? Did I read where they were going to play a home game? They don't have a home stadium, so they, they're they're like gypsies, Scott. They had to take stadiums whoever would host them. So it was, that's the reason they moved you. So it was cheaper up there than it was in the States. That's why oh, yeah. I read, Which is a stupid reason. The thing is, is did you see that that astroturf was terrible? Yeah, they had holes in it. Uh, Mark Murphy, Ebo would have been so happy. Thank you, Scott. Mark Murphy almost fell in the hole. I can't believe Ebo wasn't standing beside Murphy, pushing him into that hole when he was stepping on his foot. He went like ankle deep into the hole. Him and Gouda Kunst. It was pretty funny. And then, yeah, Gruden's acting like all tough guy. Like, yeah, man, the Packers don't want to play this game. No, first off, that's not true. And second off, Gruden, now that we've learned, like I said, I don't think this is D-bag worthy because John Gruden's just playing a part. 
But, dude, that, that, the whole no, that, that whole hard knocks thing, reality TV is stupid. If you watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette and think that they're really, like, finding their true love, it's an act, man. What, in your opinion, is or should be, I guess what do you feel like is the marquee time slot, the Thursday night game? Uh, the Sunday night game or the Monday night game. I mean, I, I think personally it should be Monday night. I don't think that is the case anymore. I wonder how much of this is because the only one that's flexed is Sunday night. So by definition, you, you know, the only one the NFL cares about late. And this is late this season, not now. Um, a, we don't know who's good now. And B, you know. Even if a team starts 0-2, Nelson, or 1-3, it doesn't, I mean, their chances aren't great they're going to make the playoffs, but it's not over. Um, but, you know, I wonder, and I, I wonder what they, I, again, I, I'm i not a TV executive, so I guess uh, I won't play one on the radio, but I don't know. If you can flex it on Sunday Night Football, why wouldn't you do that on Monday night? I know the Thursday night schedule kind of ends earlier because, you know, once you get late in the season, you can't really go Thursday, Sunday, or, you know, at the last couple of weeks because, you know, the in games on Saturdays and Sundays. So I, I get why the Thursday goes away and every team is supposed to play, you know, at least once on Thursday. So I get that as well. So you're not going to flex the Thursday. Um, but I mean, I, I, maybe I'm just too nostalgic. Maybe I got too much of the uh, the Monday Night Football. But, you know, we were the starter, we were talking about obviously Bears Packers on Thursday. And there's some blowback from NFL fans saying, look, you're going to celebrate your 100th year of NFL football, and you're not going to put the defending Super Bowl champs on, which I kind of agree. Um, you know, if you want to showcase your Super Bowl champ, but then Nelson brought up an interesting point, and I, I, now the more I think about it, I mean, is is Thursday night even the best spot? You could argue maybe that's the worst spot, right? I mean, what's got the biggest television audience? A Thursday night game, a Sunday night game, or a Monday night game? Now, regardless, this week, I think Thursday you're still going to get the ratings because it's the first game of the season. So everyone's just dying to watch right. football. It's been a whole year. Now, for me, we talked about do we want the Packers playing in the worst game, the marquee game? I think the NFL got it right. I think I would put Patriots and uh, Steelers Sunday night. I think that's probably your highest grossing viewership. But if I'm a Packer fan, I don't want to play on Thursday night. I want to give Matt LaFleur in this offense as long as possible. I'd rather play Monday night, give him an extra day worth of prep and practice. Yeah, I mean, and during the week, and just to be to clear, every team had not, not every team, Sunday night and, and, and Monday night, even though I think they've completely devalued Monday night, but those are supposed to be the marquee games for the good teams. Every team, once the NFL went, opened up the Thursday schedule, Every team has to play. So it's not like the Patriots play five times on Thursday night uh, or Patrick Mahomes plays four times on Thursday night. Everybody plays has to play a Thursday night game. And that's why some some weeks, I mean, this week, obviously, Packers, like in two weeks, Tennessee, Jacksonville. <laughs> I mean, it's still the NFL. It's going to get ratings, but that's that's a terrible game. They just are doing it. Everybody has to take a turn on Thursday night. Now, the other thing you could say, too, uh, Nelson, on the negative is uh, – the Packers, by virtue of being week one, they get it out of the way, and they have now 10 days till they play again. But guess what? Guess who they play in week four? Play the Eagles on Sunday night, or on Thursday night. They play two Thursday night games in the first month of the season. 
a little bizarre. The only benefit, though, to playing a second Thursday night game would be that they're actually home. And we do know spread-wise and game-wise most of the time since they started playing these Thursday games, the home team does have a little bit of an advantage. All right, 608-321-1670. What do you think is or what should be the the marquee time slot? I, and, you know, I get it. The, the NFL is one of the big reasons why it's so popular is the appointment viewing and the the consistency, right? I mean, you really, you and I are, Nelson, but we're outliers. Like, as, I'm talking about the Brewers as far as baseball and diehard. Like, I love watching baseball games and I love watching the Brewers, but... You have to be up. I mean, like last week's a perfect example. They're, you know, on Fox Sports Wisconsin for some people. And then they, you know, they, you know the four-letter network says we're going to take it over. You reminded me. I, I want to nominate ESPN for D-Bag of the Week. Yeah, I, I do want you to get to that. And I'm always fine with putting ESPN up. But it's funny, like last week, like the four-letter network comes in at the 11th hour and says, oh, Cardinals Brewers, that's a good game. We want it. So I people are blowing up my phone because they know I would know, which I did. They're like, where's the Brewer game? I'm like, it started an hour ago because ESPN has a six o'clock Monday game that's in the third inning. So, but that you you have to be up on your stuff. You almost have to be kind of a nerd to know that, which I'll admit I am on that kind of kind of things. You don't have to be that in the NFL, right? It's it's pretty much you got a 50-50 shot. If you turn on the TV on Sunday, the Packers are going to be on at either noon or three. Now, yes, there's going to be the occasional rare. Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, but it's you're pretty well known when they're going to play. Whereas in baseball, the Brewers could play at one, they could play at two, they could play at three, they could play at night, they could play, have a day off, they could have a travel day. You could Brewers say Brewers could play basically any time from eleven o'clock in the morning till nine at till night, nine ten at night. Yeah. So and and they play at one hundred and sixty two times. So when you talk about this question of well, would you rather be on? you know, Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night. Um, it's a pretty obvious choice that there's only 16 games, so it makes it a lot easier to follow along. And that's why we love, you know, football, because it makes it, we're all busy, right? We, we want to make things simple. And to be a diehard Brewer fan, it's work. <laughs> to play fantasy baseball, it's work. It's like a job in the summer. To play fantasy football, you got to remember for about 20 minutes. Now, if you really want to be good at it, you got to check it during the week. You got to check the waiver wire. But if you want to just have fun with it and be somewhat, somewhat competitive, all you need to do uh, is set your lineup at 1150, right? You, you don't need this whole, oh my God. I mean, I went on a trip, a cruise last summer. I forgot to change my pitching rotation. I got zeros for the week because I had pitchers on the bench. I lost the game, lost the week. That doesn't happen in the NFL, right? I mean, like, Baseball, you got to commit to the cause if you're going to really follow along. Yeah, I look at mine every day. Well, yeah, same. But, I mean, and honestly, when I started playing fantasy baseball years ago, I did it because I wanted to learn more about this when I moved back home and I was kind of getting back into this profession and getting back into sports because I had a non-sports job for a few years and I wanted to get back into it. And it, it like, teach teaches you it forces you to pay attention and now I'm like I remember like growing up as a kid why I love baseball so much but that's unique back to what we're talking about football you know Packers Thursday night Packers Sunday night Packers Monday night you know if you could pick one game a week to focus it on what would the game be and you know by the way like Thursday night's relatively new 
Um, Sunday night's been around longer, but that's newish too. I mean, that's like nineties. Uh, and then they, they did away with it. Then they brought it back with football night in America. I mean, if you go by history, I mean, Monday night football has been around since, you know, the seventies, whereas the Thursday night thing is very new. Uh, the Sunday night thing is, is new wish. So if you had, if the NFL had just like Monday night football was that one Nelson that they picked forever. If they, if you could eliminate two of the three, which night would you keep? Thursday night, Sunday night, or Monday night? If I could eliminate two out of the three, I'm getting rid of Thursday night for sure. Because that's the that's the week where the teams always look the worst. They're the less prepared. Normally, especially when they first started, always some garbage teams. They had the color rush, where it was more about the uniforms than the actual teams and games. That is a bunch of garbage, in my opinion. Uh, I'd probably get rid of Monday night, actually. Just really? Especially with you're busy with other stuff going on. You know, you're kind of tired from the beginning. It's Monday. I like staying up later on Sunday because you're already kind of wired to be up a little later from the weekend. I'd keep Sunday night. Yeah, I mean, I li- I do like it. I just, boy, and again, 608-321-1670. And, I, and maybe this would change if, they, if the NFL cared more about the Monday night football games. I mean, they... But, man, I, I don't know, just that extra. And, and a lot of this, you know, let's be honest, Nelson, I, I'll admit my uh, my isms. Uh, you know, a lot of it's gambling-based. And why a lot of people love Monday Night Football is you had that terrible Sunday and you got your ass kicked. You're going to dump it all on Monday night to try and get it back. I mean, a lot of people like Monday Night Football because it's that last bastion of getting a win. Or If you, you know, are that person, though, I will say, Raiders, Broncos, Sunday night, the last – or. Monday night, the last game of the schedule. Good luck betting on that game. <laughs> Pick them. Uh, I like the Raiders in that game. I think the I I I think the Broncos are going to be uh, brutal uh, this year. I don't think the Raiders are very good, but uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't put it. I don't. If I was ranking the games, I wouldn't put that uh, very high. All right, that's an interesting concept. Six zero eight three two one sixteen seventy. Not pick which one's the best. Well, I guess you are because if you're eliminating two, if you could only have one night to watch football, would you pick Thursday night like Packers-Bears? See, Thursday night, in my mind, you have to eliminate that one for the reasons I said. They made it about the jerseys. It's a short week. It's not a good product. The teams are normally True. not as good. But w- and you got Maction on Thursday nights. I'd rather watch <laughs> the team score 80 points You in and that did, I mean, what if I've created a gambling monster? Talking about the NFL schedule. Packers starting it out on a Thursday night. Two things. Uh, should the NFL showcase, you know, the defending Super Bowl champ? That's the Patriots. And then when you look at, you know, the marquee is is the best slot. Which, you know, if you could pick one game a week to watch, so I, you know, in theory, I'd love NFL. I'd love, and maybe you can. But I don't think a lot of people it's feasible to sit down and watch all four hours of a Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night. But if you could block off one night to just say, I, you know, I, I don't want to be interrupted. I don't want any work stuff. I don't want any kids stuff. I don't want any wife stuff or husband stuff. I just want to watch the game and be a fan. What night would you pick? Thursday, Sunday, or Monday? 608-321-1670. Tommy, welcome to the Joe and Ebo Show. What's up, buddy? Gentlemen, uh, my favorite time for football is Sunday afternoon, the late game, because uh, it lets me do other stuff, and the evenings are, are tough to get the TV all night, you know? so Yeah, maybe. Well, like, you know, our guy Ebo, uh, Tommy, he wants a 9 a.m. kickoff for Badger Saturday. That's extreme, but... Maybe the marquee time slot, yeah, is Sunday day. Well, Sunday the late game because the early game kind of messes up. By the time the game's over, you don't feel like doing nothing. And I got lots to do still around the place, so 
Uh, listen, I want to tell you about the brewers. You got to check your email. I sent you a uh, an article from ESPN about batting, about hitting the ball, and uh, it's really technical. It's really good. It's about Yelich especially, and it talks about uh, 400 milliseconds to decide to swing, and uh, it, it takes 250 milliseconds for your brain to even make that connection uh, once you make it the decisions to your muscles. So it's a really amazing thing. Basically, no one sees the ball, and uh, they're flailing away, and they're hitting a third of the time they're getting hit. So it's, it's really an amazing article. you got to check it out. Kind of disappointed about yesterday's game, but there's always today, right? Yeah, they got to win it. Uh, thank you, Tom. Yeah, I saw that email. Thank you, buddy. Um, yeah, Yelich is, I mean, Nelson, his his stuff. Thanks, Tom, for the call. Yelich is, is incredible. I, You know, I was listening to one of the uh, national shows, as I predicted. We were one of the only uh, local shows. There were others, but not many. So I was listening to a lot of national radio yesterday. They had a lot of, you know, baseball, obviously a ton of baseball on Labor Day. And everyone's, you know, uh, talking about Trout because he became the uh, youngest player to get 200 home runs and, and stolen bases in the history of Major League Baseball. And Mike Trout is absolutely ridiculous. And he's he's going to win the uh, the MVP again. Uh, but here's my thing. In the American League, the, the Angels aren't going anywhere. The the Brewers probably aren't going to the playoffs, but they've got, you know, at least they're still in it where the Angels are not. Why is it, you know, and I, I know this war stuff, uh, Trout's got an 8.2. Yelich has got a 6.2. But why is it so obvious that Trout's the MVP in the American League and, and, and Yelich is not in the National League? Is it because just if Cody Bellinger was in the National League, or I mean in the American, would, would Cody, Bellinger Cody Bellinger be the Would Cody Bellinger be the MVP over Mike Trout this year if he was in the American League? See, it's, you're splitting hairs between all three of them. I, I, I think right now you do have to give Cody Bellinger just that little bit of a a head start on Christian Yelich so far just because his team is better. And Cody Bellinger has been amazing on defense. Like, believe it or not, Christian Yelich is having one of his worst years defensively. And Cody Bellinger, I believe, last time I looked, was in the top five in the major leagues for outfield assists. Well, and I don't know. I don't know if this is more on Yelich or the Brewers um, to talk about diving into the stats. So Yelich has forty-three home runs after the the one yesterday in the in the ninth to tie it up, which is you know tied for second. He's one behind uh, Bellinger at forty-four, but he's got ninety-three RBIs. You so you take away the forty-three home runs, and I don't know. Let's just say they were all solo home runs, which they're not. But you take away. Let's. What do you think? Give him. Out of the forty-three home runs, how many how many of his ninety-three RBIs are from the home run? Christian Yelich? Yeah. Probably if I had to guess, 60? probably about 70, 75. So is that, you know, because Yelich is tenth in RBIs. So if you take away his home runs, which obviously it's you gotta factor it in, but my the point I'm trying to make is he's probably got twenty or so RBIs just on his own. I mean, is, he, is that, are we just too, I mean, you talk about an MVP. I mean, sh- should he have, like, Freddie Freeman has far less home runs than Yelich, but he's got way more RBIs. Like, who's, also, who would you, who's, whose season would you rather have? Would you rather have Yelich or, or Freeman? And what, what, benefits, uh, what benefits your team better? Having 120 RBIs like Freddie Freeman does, but a few less home runs? Or Christian Yelich, who's, you know, can change a game like he nearly did yesterday with one swing of the bat, but... If he doesn't hit a home run, he's not driving guys in. The thing with Freddie Freeman, though, is he's got guys like Acuna and Albies that are getting on base in front of him so he can knock them in. And that's what, yeah. And let's be 
So is the problem not Yelich? It's just there's nobody been on base. And if the Brewers had a better one-two hitter this year, would Christian Yelich have 150 RBIs right now? Well, it's twofold. You have Lorenzo Cain, who's struggled mightily. This is one of his worst, if not his worst, career season in the big leagues. He wasn't get. He was batting under 250 most of the season, so he's struggling. Then you had Christian Yelich still hitting in the two hole. So who's getting on base in front of him? And then when you move Christian Yelich from the two and the three, Travis Shaw wasn't a player this year. Aguilar struggled this year. Braun wasn't playing every single day. Keston Hira wasn't called up basically until, what, late June? Who was the batter behind Yelich that made pitchers want to pitch to Yelich? He could have got walked around. They were even talking about on the broadcast yesterday that if uh, Christian Yelich came up, which he did, and obviously there was a terrible call by the umpire walking him to put the winning run on second base just so you could get to Braun. That's, That's unheard of. Just think if Keston Hira was batting third in that lineup the whole season, they would have had to they would have had to actually pitch to Christian Yelich every single game in every situation. Well, or yeah, I mean that's a good point. And you know, or if you go, if they had left, let's say Grandal at second the whole year, uh, hitting second. You know, if Grisham was is this good, if you had him all year, and then you know, if you could put you know Hira third, and then you know, should Yelich have batted like cleanup? See, I think Yelich should be a. Second or third hitter, in my opinion, just because he is a naturally good hitter. He takes the ball to all parts of the park. He can hit for power. He can hit for average. I think he should definitely be in your top three, but it just kills him that he didn't really have anyone else performing around him except for Hero, which now he's out. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, concept, uh, Tom. You know, I, I and and you know, either way, Yelich is going to have it is having an incredible year, and he will finish in the top three. I just, yeah, I wonder how much of I it is. I would love to see what Christian Yelich could have done if you placed him in the Dodgers order, where Cody Bellinger hits every single day, where he's got guys like Seager, he's got guys like Justin Turner, he's got guys like Max Muncie around him. So he gets to see more pitches, right? Yeah, I mean, if Lorenzo Cain was hitting three twenty this year. And had a you know a four hundred on base percentage, and Keston Hira had been on the team the whole season, and you could play him at you know bat him second, uh, and then maybe Grandal in cleanup or Yelich cleanup and Grandal third. Yeah, if you had two or three all stars offensively that you could intermix with Yelich in the lineup, I wonder if he you know if he still that wouldn't really change the home runs. Maybe he'd get a few more, but I, yeah, I wonder what is. Well, average might. on base percentage RBIs would be through the roof, right? Because RBIs would be up, but. Don't undersell that his home runs wouldn't be up because if they have to pitch to you, that's not all the times that they either intentionally walk you or they basically intentionally walk you without intentionally walking you. They just pitch around you. They don't really throw you any strikes. No good pitches to hit. So I would imagine if he had those, his RBIs would also be up and his uh, home runs would be up a tick too. All right, 608-321-1670. Want to wait on that, Brewer fans? Uh, Get back to the uh, NFL you're a busy guy. You're a busy gal. We're all pretty busy. Pick one night to say, this is going to be my night for football. Thursday night, start out the week right. You're going to go Sunday night. You've had a whole weekend to digest football. Just one more. Uh, or Monday. Who? Nobody likes to go to work Monday. We all want the weekend. Just get that one more night of football in. Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night. What's your pick? Man, I can't believe, Nelson, the, the fantasy football stories that you and I shared. And 
some of the other ones that uh, people have called and tweeted in that the Monday Night Football doesn't uh, go higher than this. Again, we uh, put the poll out at Zone Madison on Twitter. What is the marquee game of the week in the NFL? Is it the Thursday night slot, the Sunday night slot, or Monday night? Right now, Sunday night with a big lead, uh, 60%, 25 for Thursday night. Monday Night Football in last at 15%. I guess you look at it the other way. I mean, from the Thursday night perspective of leading off the week, you know, if you look at it from a gambling or fantasy perspective, and you said it, I mean, sometimes the Thursday night games stink. But on the flip side, if you have a Thursday night game where you have a player that goes crazy and you get, you know, say you have, you know, well, let's just say this week. Let's say you have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams. And Adams has nine catches for 130 yards and two touchdowns. And Rodgers throws for 320 and four touchdowns Thursday night. And you get a quick 50 points from your quarterback and wide receiver. And you start the week with a 50 to nothing lead. Uh, then you probably love the Thursday night game, right? Now, on the flip side, Bears defense, really good. You're not going to bench Devontae Adams or Aaron Rodgers if they're their quarterback and wide receiver. But what if Adams has three catches for 29 yards and no touchdowns, and Rodgers has 187 passing yards and one touchdown and one interception, and you get through Thursday night and you have 15 points from Rodgers and Adams? Now you're probably going into Sunday saying, that oh, team's done. Yeah, I think you turn the page if uh, two of your top point getters only get 15 combined points. But, so uh, does that? But does the question does that make Thursday night games even more crappy because you can be done from, or if you have like a suicide pool and you know there's a week where it's the Patriots are playing, I think the Bills on a Thursday night game. Obviously, everybody would pick the Patriots in a suicide, and the Bills somehow pull the upset. Now you're like, well, that sucked. <laughs> I'm done. So, I mean, does, is Thursday night the best because you get one right out of the box, or is it the worst? Again, I think it's the worst. I'm going to ask you this question. Would you rather watch, say you had money on both of them, would you rather watch a Thursday night color rush if you had money on it or a Thursday night Maction or Sunbelt game? <laughs> I'm going. I'm leaning college. Well, yeah, but what what factor are you are you putting in the fantasy football variable? Like I agree. If it's a, put it this way: if if you have if if it's one if it's on the line, right? If it's a bye week and you have to find a backup, or if it's a flex player, yeah, I would try and stay away from a Thursday night game. But if the Carolina Panthers are playing on a Thursday night and Christian McCaffrey was the number one overall pick, like he was in our staff league last week draft, well, obviously you're playing Christian McCaffrey. Now you you're in, you have to watch the Thursday night game because your number one player is playing. So I would even if it's the game stinks and I, you're right and history has shown that those games are crappy and I think you'd have to say it's because it's short turnaround. I mean the NFL, I mean your body is getting crushed already. I mean you could argue a week turnaround time is cruel and unusual to play on a Sunday and then again on a Thursday. I get why those games suck, but and you know, most of the time those those teams normally if you're playing Sunday to Sunday you're getting Mondays off. So if you if you do still give your team Mondays off, which you probably in theory should just for recovery, now you only have Tuesday and Wednesday. And think about that. If you're the team that's going on the road, what if you're the Packers and you got to play in Seattle? You got to have at least a day of travel. Now you're down to one day practice. Right. Yeah, like the Thursday night game last year in Seattle, which by the way the Packers still should have won that game. But I mean that was insane. You played on Sunday, you got to come back, you get, you know, Monday day off, you maybe get like a light practice or a walkthrough on Tuesday, 
you're traveling Wednesday, which, by the way, is a, a two-hour time change and, you know, a five-hour plane flight, and then you're playing Thursday. I mean, that's insane for the Packers to have to play that game. It's a miracle that that game was even close. Now, and on that's the fl- why everyone should have bet on Seattle, if you're thinking with your brain. Yeah. Like, why would you... Knowing all that knowledge, why would you put money on the Packers, especially with the situation they were in last year? Now, on the flip side, now this year, now think about the advantage the Packers will have now playing the Vikings, in theory, next Sunday at Lambeau Field. See, I think all this can be thrown out for the first game of the season. But Correct. Once you start throwing, once you start playing Thursday nights at the begin or after the beginning of the year, that's when it it becomes uh, worse. Well, and the Packers, because, look, you can look at it as a showcase game, and it's good for them, and it's good for the league. But the fact that they play two Thursday night games, you know, did they get a raw deal? Or do you say, okay, well, they but they get them both done in the first four weeks of the season. Like, week three, the Packers play the uh, Broncos at home at Lambeau. That's a noon kickoff. Week four, they play the Thursday night game, but it's also at Lambeau Field, and it's against the Eagles. The Eagles, by the way, on week three uh, play. It's Detroit. Uh, they play Detroit. They play Detroit. Is that a home or away? They play it's, Detroit it's home. at home, and it's an early kickoff. See, so I think that's, that's a not gift. as brutal as. It's not as brutal as Seattle Green Bay, but you would still say, is that an advantage for the Packers? I totally think that's a a gift from the scheduling gods to give the Packers. A, a short week home against the Eagles. The Eagles are probably one of the better teams they'll play this year outside of a, a few teams. I think the Eagles are going to be pretty good. I'm glad it's a home game on a short week. And then if you go, if you play it further out, then the Packers play week five at Dallas, but it's the late game. It's the national TV, the 330 Fox game. And you get an extra few days. I think that that works perfectly for the Packers. Right. I think this year, yeah, last year. And then, by the way, week six is Monday night football. They're at home against Detroit. So, I mean, to look at from a Packers perspective. It's great. The first six weeks, if they if they don't come out of the blocks, and then, by the way, week seven, they're at home against the Raiders. Which scares me. Yeah, that, yeah. That's my letdown spot. That's one of them. And then week eight, you have the bye week. I mean, if they don't get out of the blocks like five and two, four and three at worst with this schedule, then we may have some problems. But no, back- their prep time is set up extremely well to start this season. Last year, they had to go through that brutal stretch during the middle of the season where I said it was make or break it here going out to the L.A. And uh, it definitely broke the Packers. So for the but back to the question then six oh eight three two one sixteen seventy and maybe it's just unique to this year. But for the Packers' perspective, dude, I, these are two great Thursday night games. I mean, start the NFL season on a Thursday night against your division rival, and then you get another game against a Super Bowl contender in Philly. But you get them at home before a stretch of pretty good games. I mean, these two Packers. I mean, I can make an argument. These two pack the Thursday night games are huge. And they're good games, right? And they're early enough in the season. Yeah, if the Packers are playing Philly in week 11 on a Thursday night, you could get a watered-down product. But you should, in theory, you've got a 10-day break after you play the Broncos at home before you play the, the Eagles. I mean, that you yeah, should you get it four days. Or four, I mean, you get a 10-day break, I should say, to play the Cowboys in week five. Those are two pretty good back-to-back games, right? Eagles-Cowboys? Yeah, it, it, it's definitely an advantage. The, the Packers... Last year's schedule was not not very favorable. This season, looking at a lot of the spots versus the teams they're playing in those spots, it is a pretty good schedule for the Packers 
which means this Matt LaFleur offense and Aaron Rodgers, if they don't come out of the blocks quick, especially with how the schedule's lined up, there's going to be a lot of questions, especially starting probably about week 10. So should I um, should I queue up then an early conspiracy theory Friday for my man Ebes when he returns from vacation that the NFL was out to stick it to Mike McCarthy last year and they set up an impossible schedule because they knew that if he didn't win at a high level last year, he was going to be fired and they're conversely this year for Matt LaFleur giving him an easy schedule so that he can start out well that if McCarthy and the Packers had this schedule last year, they would have been five and two and everything would have ended differently. And if LaFleur had last year's schedule this year to start, they'd go again, you know, two and three, something like that. And we'd all be like, oh my God, here we go. Can I start the early conspiracy theory that the NFL was out to get the Mike McCarthy fan club last year and and they want to accelerate his departure from Green Bay? They were trying to test a highly successful NFL (laughs) head coach. But I do think if you, if the Packers had this schedule last season, with Mike McCarthy and him and Rodgers started out hot, yeah. I, I think they could really be probably at least five and one in the first six games. That is, and, and maybe it is just nothing more than a coincidence or luck, but that is crazy to think about in a year where Mike McCarthy had to win, and he knew that and never knew that. Can you imagine, yeah, last year with this schedule, I would have to think a Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers-led team last year would have gotten out of the blocks four and one, five and two. And nobody's talking about fire Mike McCarthy in Week Eight against the 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 Panther or the uh, the Cardinals like he did last year. If 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 he gets out five and two, and then conversely, if Matt Lafleur does go five and two, like I think should be done with this schedule, doesn't mean they're going to end ten and five or six or nine and seven. But if he starts out five and two, everybody's going to be see. McCarthy was a bum. Mike McCarthy can't win even when he's gone. If the Packers do out start start out well, looking more and more at the schedule, I think if they had this last season with McCarthy, I think the first ten games they're seven and three. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it gets. T- I mean, the brutalness of back to back road games with the Chiefs and the uh, the Chargers. But by that point, if they have more than two losses, I, I I'll be stunned. Unless they're just, unless this is that bad of a team, unless Oof. there are still major problems with the roster. You just go straight down the schedule. I don't think I could see the Packers being anything worse than eleven and five with McCarthy last year with the schedule. See, now that's big shoes to fill with Lafleur, an unproven guy that's never been a head coach. He's only been an offensive coordinator two years, and now he's got Aaron Rodgers, a new roster, and he's got his own team. Scary. Let's just state the facts. I'm, I'm a highly successful NFL head coach. Damn right, coach. I feel bad for if you had this schedule, what could have been? 